Hello, Penn Medicine. And welcome to the Well Focus Podcast. I'm Mitch Sherman, and today we have Dr. Noel Sierra. Dr. Sierra is the director of Penn Peers and a program manager for Cobalt here at Penn. So welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I uh, thank you for, for joining the Well Focus Podcast. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Um, before we jump in, I want to give you the floor and kind of ask, what is Penn Peters? Sure. Um, I want to say thank you so much, too, for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Penn Peers is a newer program that we're piloting. With the offerings that Cobalt currently has, we have um, we have resilience coaches, we have therapists, we have clinicians through EAP and psychiatry, but something that's missing that is a gap we're really trying to fill is offering peer-to-peer -peer support, creating some structured support offerings through the platform to really meet the demand of this new digital world that we're kind of living in. The way we used to receive and access support used to be a lot different. People could meet in larger groups and conference rooms, but now that we're all kind of siloed out in different places, we really want to be able to create space that makes peer support accessible. Um, you know, the value ther therapy is an incredible service and psychiatry is an incredible service, but sometimes just being able to talk to somebody else who has really walked in your shoes and know what you're going through, it's nice to be able to talk to someone without having to give a ton of like background context about what your work scenario is or what your work is like with patients. Um, peer support is really supposed to be something that is focused on like, I get it, I am where you are. We are gonna have like a mutual conversation and talk together um, and work through problems. And I'm really excited, it's launching very soon, the pilot program at least. Um, and we're gonna keep building from there. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it sounds incredibly valuable and definitely something that is high in demand and not necessarily high in supply. Um, you yes. know, Cobalt, <laughs> we can plug all day long for some of the resources available, but having a resource like that where you can just talk to somebody and not have to worry about insurance coverage or co-pays mm -hmm. or scheduling, yeah. you know, an appointment in six weeks when, you know, you need something a lot sooner. Um, definitely valuable stuff there. But, you know, it, it is certainly right up your alley. You know, I, I introduced you as Dr. Noel Sierra. That's because you are a <laughs> doctor of social work. You are a clinical social worker, which is why I really wanted to have you on. And the, the main topic I really want to dive into is anxiety. Anxiety is something that many, many people suffer from. I suffer from it. So I'm sure I'm going to get something out of this conversation along with our listeners. Right um, there with you. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. And yep. even if you don't have anxiety, you can still feel it and be anxious about things. So let's, let's dive right in. How do you personally define anxiety? It's a great question. Um, so I think anxiety and diagnosable anxiety, and then there's the feeling of anxiety and stress and burnout, like all those words can kind of be intertwined and used interchangeably, which is fine for everyday conversation. But from really focusing on the definition of anxiety and what it really is, anxiety is an experience of increased like stress and worry that manifests physically and emotionally that exists when a stressor is actually present and still exists when that stressor is not present. So in the event of, for example, a stressful scenario where, I think of an example, um, you have to give a presentation and you're feeling nervous before that presentation, that part, you go through the presentation, it goes fine, it's over, 
the stress decreases, that's normal stress. Anxiety would look more like presentations over, everything went fine, but now I'm gonna replay every single thing that happened during that presentation. I am going to wonder if I talked too fast, if I was interesting enough, if the audience was engaged and that the thought process continues to spiral and spiral and spiral. And before you know it, you spent you know an hour thinking about hypothetical things that don't need to be focused on. Um, so it's just a manifestation of just that, the worry and the stress that just won't stop. It's really interesting because, you know, you talk about these hypotheticals and worrying about, you know, maybe things that have happened in the past, worrying about hypotheticals in the future, but there are so many ways that this can present itself. You, you mm -hmm. know, physical anxiety is a real thing. You know, it could be increased agitation. You might have shrugged shoulders constantly. You don't realize they're shrugged until you think about yeah. relaxing them, clenching your jaw, headaches, things like that. Um, it, it, it's almost like the allergies of mental health. <laughs> <laughs> I've or, never heard of it framed like that. And that's actually kind of perfect. That's exactly right. It really is the allergies of mental health. I'm going to write that down for myself. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, I'll credit you. <laughs> especially, you know, it's, you know, springtime coming up where you wake up, you have a headache, your runny nose, maybe eyes are itchy. It's like, oh, allergies, you're tired, allergies and anxiety. You know, it's the same way it can present itself mm -hmm. many ways. Um, but what's really interesting about it is how resilient anxiety can be. And like you said, you might be through your anxious situation and you might still be feeling anxious. Um, do you have any, you know, obviously we can go on all day about tools to combat this, but anything that you like in particular or recommend? Yeah. Um, I think one of the universal things that I think is really helpful with dealing with anxiety, and it's something that I try to do too. The first rule and principle of approaching our anxiety is doing so with self-compassion and with empathy for yourself, not beating yourself up over it. It's, I think that there's, I mean, just to back up and like before I continue answering that question, I think the way we talk about mental health is really frustrating as a culture. We, it's stigmatized. There's a lot of judgment and shame that goes along with talking about mental health and anxiety, but this is just how all of our brains are hardwired. Our brains are organs, just like every other organ in our body, and they have the ability to feel anxiety, and that's, it's okay. Um, it's not a sign of weakness or a character flaw or a moral failing. It's just part of who we are. Um, and I think approaching experiencing anxiety in that way is really helpful because when you start to go down the path of beating yourself over it. Like, why am I so nervous? Like, why do I feel so anxious all the time? Like, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. This is a waste of time. Beating up on yourself never helps. It makes it worse. Um, but it's also important to remember that as you're beating, if you are catching yourself beating yourself up on it, it's okay. You can acknowledge it and say, hey, you know what? Reframe, let's take a minute and pause. But I think just being kind to yourself through the process is one of the most important things. Um, and it's hard to do. And it's not a one size fits all approach. And it's not something that you can master and complete and then never have to work on it again. It's something that you always have to continue to work on. Like, you know, if you are training for a marathon, you can't just, you know, run for a couple of weeks and then feel like, all right, I'm good. I'm ready now. You, gotta, you have to keep going. And that's part of the journey and it's okay. 
Um, but something, so to answer your question more specifically, some coping things, if I, for me personally, if I start to notice that I'm feeling anxious, I like to just like take a pause and do a body check on myself. It's kind of touching on something you had mentioned, like feeling how I'm sitting, how my body feels. Sometimes I won't even notice until I actually pause to take a minute and really feel what I'm feeling. And I'll notice like I'm sitting like hunched, like my shoulders are really tight and then I'll relax them and I immediately feel a little bit of relief. Or maybe I'm sitting forward in my chair too much, or I am clenching my jaw, or my hands are really fidgety. Um, and sometimes if I'm feeling like overheated or just hot in general, running hands under cold water is really helpful. Um, and sometimes when it's just those like racing thoughts that do not quit, no matter how hard you try, and it goes in the loop and the loop and the loop, sometimes I'll take a piece of paper out and I will just write as much as I can until I'm exhausted and I'm tired of that thought and I'm like, you know what, I'm done with it. I don't want to think about it anymore. And I feel like it's like kind of freed me from it a little bit. And all those strategies that you're talking about, all of them, none of them, some of them could work for me, could work yeah. for the listeners listening here or not. Yeah. And exactly. that's the thing about it is there's not a one size fits all approach, which is something I think I say on every single one of these podcasts is, and that is something that I just think in society in general always likes to, you know, I think if there was a one size fits all approach, it would create a lot of easy answers for these things. Oh, you have anxiety, go meditate. Mm -hmm. What if meditating is really difficult for you? Maybe there are other right. strategies. And I, I really think that we need to allow more room for nuance in these conversations and many other conversations outside of this topic too. But talking about anxiety, and you said too, with everybody being different, what's difficult about it and what helps fuel this negative stigma that you alluded to is it is really based on subjective responses. You know, there's no yeah. real way to measure like, hey, I'm really worried about this. I'm really worried about that. You know, maybe you can see somebody's shoulders shrugged, but and you have to take somebody's word for it. You just have to trust yeah. that person. And that makes it really difficult because if you're talking to somebody that maybe you don't know or maybe you don't trust, then maybe you take what they're saying less seriously. Um, ben Simmons, Philadelphia, former Philadelphia 76er, we can go into a whole other conversation about this, <laughs> but I know day one when he was traded to Brooklyn, I saw a lot of things on social media like, oh, he's smiling now. Funny how he's cured all of a sudden. It's like, you can be anxious and be in a good mood too. You know, there's- A hundred percent, yeah. That is not how anxiety works. It's not how anything works. We can, feel a huge range of emotions at any given time. And just because someone suffers from anxiety or depression or any other mental health struggle, it doesn't mean that it's 24 seven without any kind of relief or any like breaks in the day or moments where you smile or in a good mood. It's not what it looks like, but I think that's part of just like the misunderstanding of what mental health is. And I think it's, has a lot to do with the way we talk about mental health as though it's not a real thing or that feelings aren't real um, when in fact it is simple neurobiology but we just we don't talk about it enough it's not included in even like growing up like we never talked about mental health in any of the health classes i took it's never discussed it's never discussed mm -hmm. in i shouldn't say never discussed mm -hmm. in homes i know there are some houses that discuss it but i know when i was growing up we never talked about mental health like that we never talked about you know, the ups and downs and like normal responses to feelings and what that can look like. And I think that manifests into 
a larger impact in a culture that kind of brushes mental health off as just being this like kind of like facade that is made up or used to benefit somebody in the moment and then they can take that diagnosis away as soon as they put a smile on their face, but not how it is. For sure. You're 100% correct in, in that, you know, growing up, it was not at the forefront of the conversation, but I think a number of factors have accelerated it be, to become more of a topic yeah. of conversation. For example, mm -hmm. we have a platform to do this podcast at our jobs, which is incredible. Um, yep. you're, you're directing, you're, as the director of Penn Peters, you're focusing on these topics exclusively. Your degrees are in this. It's awesome. And, you know, I remember growing up and I remember people talking about, oh, I didn't know this person went to therapy. I didn't realize they were crazy. And I'm just like, yeah. Hey, I've gone to therapy and we're best friends hanging out and the stigmas change, whether it's um, just more of an education, whether it's a different platform for it, um, celebrities coming out and being open about their mental health issues and struggles. And it uh, allows for more acceptance. Like, oh, if this person is struggling with this, I guess it's okay that I am too. And I can be open yeah. about it. I even think social media in some ways plays a, a factor. I had this conversation with my roommate a few weeks ago about we see a lot of memes about anxiety and depression. And it's in one hand, it's like, oh, are we taking this seriously? But on the other hand, it's also giving people a platform to realize, oh, if this joke is on the Internet, I'm not the only one going through it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when you see the same meme. So I was actually thinking about this recently memes and social media or social media in general i know it can be a huge double-edged sword when it comes to mental mm -hmm. health but one of the biggest pros i think is this the universal language of memes and when you see that same meme that kind of jokes about the those anxiety feelings over and over and over on like a couple of different platforms and there are lots of comments like oh my god that's so me it's a really great way to see Oh, it's it's not it's not just me. It's other people too, and it's okay. And I think, you know, balancing out with like the severity and like the real issues that come along with mental health challenges, it's also really important to be able to find some humor in it and to be able to find some kind of light to give yourself a little bit of relief. I know when I scroll through social media and I come across those memes, especially the ones that really hit home. It gives me a good laugh and it feels it feels really good. I feel seen, I feel heard, and it, feel, it helps me feel a little less alone in the struggle. It's nice. And like you said, it stops you from maybe beating yourself up a little bit. Yes, because yeah. you're not it gonna beat everybody else up too that's you know experiencing potentially similar feelings. Um, now, one, one thing about validation of this, which you kind of alluded to and being seen and heard, there are certain aspects of anxiety that I've struggled with in the past and I do have a question about, so we talked about hypotheticals and what ifs and worrying about this and worrying about that. What if those things end up coming true? Do you think that can provide fuel for future anxiety? Like, hey, I was worried about this and it ended up happening. That means these worries are valid. I am thinking rationally, even if you're not. And yeah. what do you do? Because that's a really tricky situation. Really, really good point. Um, and it's tough because when we start approaching feelings of anxiety and wanting to 
you know, challenge those beliefs and the irrational thoughts we may be experiencing, but then they do come true. It can kind of cement that thought of like, I was right. And I should have been, I was right to be anxious about this. And I should have been anxious. And I think one of the important things to think about is like the feeling is always valid. Like feelings are valid. Feelings are okay. Um, and I think when those types of things happen, it's never a one size fits all, but I think being able to a, a talking it out with someone that you can trust and feel comfortable with and just letting it out a little bit can be really helpful. But then also if, so when things like that happen, when you're feeling anxious about something and you're thinking about a hypothetical and then that hypothetical comes true, it's a, I, from my perspective, there's a twofold process to approaching it. And it's important to both validate the feeling and validate the, the stress and the overwhelm and just that like enormous feeling of like, oh my gosh, this really actually happened. And then separately challenging it. I think sweeping feelings under the rug and ignoring things and just constantly discrediting never really helps anything because you're ignoring the way that you're feeling and that's not gonna do anything to help with restructuring how you approach anxious thoughts moving forward. So I think being able to take space to just acknowledge and recognize the experience and the feeling is really important. But then once you've had a chance, and it doesn't have to necessarily be in this order, but once you've been able to take a minute and just recognize that and not ignore it and not discredit that feeling, another at an another either another point in time or another point, even like within like the context of 30 minutes, take a step back and you can rationalize with yourself a little bit and say, okay, yes, this thing happened. And it's crazy that it happened because I, I was worried that it was going to, I thought maybe I, it was just an anxious thought and that it actually did happen. But there's also a thousand other hypotheticals that we've probably gone through in our minds that didn't happen. So I think it's important to do your best to not get swallowed up in the, thought that just because one fear turned out to actually happen or become true doesn't mean that it's always going to happen like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, again, it comes with a little bit of back and forth and a little give and take. You don't want to invalidate your own feelings. And you don't want to discredit yourself. You want to be able to acknowledge that, that feeling, um, but you don't want to, or at least you want to do your best to give yourself a chance to not just not get sucked into that that stress and that never ending doom. Um, as you were saying this too, one of the things that I thought about, I don't know if this is gonna to be too sensitive to talk, I mean, it's COVID related, um, but when I think about mental health and the thing, the impossible thing happening that's overwhelming, I mean, a pandemic, this crazy thing happened to the world that I never thought would happen in a million years. I remember when at the beginning of the pandemic, my husband and I were talking and when they canceled March Madness, he was like, this is no joke. And I remember thinking, when in the history of the world have they ever canceled March Madness? And then things kept getting canceled and canceled and canceled. And things that we just like would joke about, like, when, oh yeah, when, when pigs fly, when March Madness gets canceled, and then it actually happened. And it happened for a really long time. And so it kind of opens this door of opportunity. Well, if that happened, what's, everything's on the table now, anything can happen. But that's where you have to be able to like acknowledge that for us, like, okay, yes, this pandemic happened. This is absolutely wild. This is insane. It's been a horrible, traumatizing experience for everybody. But that doesn't mean that this is going to be our truth and our lives forever. And it doesn't mean that every other single thing that we think is impossible 
or th something that we're stressed about or anxious about, it doesn't mean that that's also going to happen. Um, and I think now is a particularly tough time because we're still in the midst of it. And, you know, usually traumatic experiences like this happen in smaller lengths of time. Like if there's a tsunami or if there's a hurricane or like some kind of other natural disaster that occurs, there's usually a pretty defined like stop and start time that you can work to rebuild. But this has been going on for such a long time now. And I think trying to figure out how to deal with that in the context of the way we look at the world and our own worldview um, can really start to fuel some of those anxious thoughts. And I think that's also one of the reasons why mental health is really on the forefront of conversations because everyone's really starting to feel it. And I think it's starting to become a universal language that we all know this, like, this isn't normal and this isn't okay. If you look at, like, look at the sample size of your thoughts and what's coming yeah. through and what's not. You know, maybe yeah. you're very worried about a job interview or something, yeah. and you're worried about X, Y, and Z, and only X happens. Okay, so 33% of the time, it was accurate. Now, that's just an arbitrary example and statistic, but maybe you're right once, but how about the other times where your anxious thoughts didn't come true, like you said? So yeah. just because it's one doesn't mean it's all of them. It's you know, a statistical term would be it's not statistically significant. Um, obviously, exactly. these topics of conversations extend beyond statistics. But um, I also want to <laughs> share that the March Madness thought very much resonated with me. Uh, that <laughs> opening weekend is, oh, my God, the best sports weekend in the entire yeah. year. Talk about anxiety filling out my bracket. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then seeing it canceled, it's like, like this is a real like this is really happening this is really happening march madness actually got canceled yeah huge deal it's a big money and, generating thing they're not canceling that for nothing you know and the nba i remember yeah. so two days before the nba shut down i remember having a meeting at work and the general consensus was that the reaction to covid was a little overblown this was and then mm -hmm. two days later the nba shuts down and everything starts shutting down and yeah. we're just like, hold on a second, what is going on? And like yeah. you said, too, you know, you have these natural disasters, say a hurricane in New Orleans, like Hurricane Katrina in 2005. It's also very regional. It's only impacting, yes. granted, a lot of people, but still a specific group of people. Or as right. this pandemic is affecting everybody. And as terrible Literally. as it is, and as horrible as it is, it has acted as a tool to change the stigma in conjunction with celebrities that we've talked to that have opened up about yeah. it with increased resources to mental health, with social media memes that kind of show that you are not alone. But, you know, I started this podcast as a, like after the pandemic or after we've been yeah. in the midst of the pandemic and we're talking about mental health and maybe somebody's listening to this and gaining some pointers on it. So, yeah, it, this, the, it did have some pros. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So if anyone out there is listening and you feel anxious or are worried about feeling anxious, please know you are not alone. It mm -hmm. is okay. You're not alone. You are not alone. You are seen. You are heard. It is tough. And I think just overall, like no one is really completely okay right now. We're all going through it. And even if people in your close circle of friends or your family aren't necessarily talking about it, there are a lot of other avenues, a lot of other places where people are more comfortable talking about this kind of stuff. And it's okay. You know, I just, more than anything, just know you're not alone and it's okay. 
and there's people to help. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as we wind down these podcasts, I always like to ask a fun question that the, or that the guest was not prepared for. Um, <laughs> uh, pertaining to the topic or not pertaining to the topic, this one is not pertaining to the topic. Um, so I know that this podcast is coming out in late March, early April, that time, uh, but it is recorded on Tuesday, 2-22 of the year 22. That's right. Uh, so the date is 22222, um, which is a palindrome and also weird. But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, I'm putting you on the spot. It's a silly question. Do you have a favorite palindrome? Does that have to be a number or a word? It could be anything. No, that I do, but I don't want to say no. That's a boring answer. It's a tricky one. It's so hard. That's a good question, though. I'm going to be like reeling on this all day. Okay. Like there's race car. Um, Wow, mom, dad. Now, I know that at some point later tonight, something's going to pop into my brain, and I'm going to be like, Mitch, we have to hop back on again because I need to change my answer. <laughs> I'm going to, just for the sake of honoring this really cool day, because it's not going to happen ever again in my lifetime or your lifetime, two, 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 two. Today is my favorite palindrome. <laughs> but I know... That I'm going to have another, I know that there's another one and I'm going to think of it and I'm going to let you know. And I'm hoping that maybe we could <laughs> add a very brief addendum to this podcast <laughs> so I can have a cooler answer than copying out and picking today's date. Um, but that's a really, that's a really good question. I've never been asked even in like casual conversation. I got to think about this one. That's a good one. I like it. I remember when I was young and I first heard of what a palindrome was, I must've been like nine years old. I was obsessed with them and my mom got me a book. Um, my favorite one might just be wow, because whenever yeah. I hear one, I'm just like, wow. Um, but, um, and also, wow, this has one. been an awesome podcast. Um, we'll obviously have to have you back on to, to continue this palindrome conversation. Plus, I love I'm it. sure we could have another 10 podcasts talking about anxiety. But uh, Dr. Noel yeah. Sierra, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for being on the Well Focus podcast. God, it's my pleasure. Seriously, thank you so much for having me. Um, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about anxiety and mental health and palindromes. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs>